This week, leading up to the Veterans Day holiday, the Candidly Speaking podcast would like to take some time to honor veterans who have served in the United States Armed Forces. Our servicemen and women are from varying walks of life. They have wives, husbands, children, and other family who count on them. Their jobs are tough, but with the support of their family, our service members continue to accomplish extraordinary things. This week, I will be highlighting some of those extraordinary things. So sit back, take a listen, and be sure to thank a veteran for the sacrifices that they have made for their families, for you, and for this country. Thank you. your boy Luke on the Candidly Speaking Podcast. I got my longtime friend, Major Lee McMullen. We're going to talk about his military career, how we met, all kind of stuff. Y'all ready? Let's go. Welcome to the show, man. I'm glad you could take some time to sit down and speak with the Candidly Speaking Podcast. How you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for inviting me, man. I really appreciate this opportunity to talk a little bit. It's always good to have a conversation with you. I agree, man. I agree, man. I appreciate it. So how the family doing? Family's good, man. We're uh, getting all settled in. Um, kids are back in school, which is a little odd, but they're, but they're doing it and doing good. Um, so we're settled in pretty good down here in Texas. So thanks. Okay. How's your family doing? Yeah, man, we good, man. You know, we just had the little baby, and you know, we she she slept a long time last night, man. So I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping that that's gonna become the norm for us, man. You know, I'm I'm an early bird. You know, I'm always up at four or five o'clock anyway. But uh, you know, it'd be nice to once I wake up, I don't I don't look over and she looking at me, <laughs> and she looking at me asking me to get out the bed and and you know make her some milk or something in her little uh bassinet. So yeah. Um, but but yeah, man, we're we're good, man. So today, man, I just want to bring you on and, and talk about your military career um, and how it's propelled you to where you are today. I know you're still actively in the Army and, uh, you know, we'll we'll go into how we met. Matter of fact, I want to talk about that, uh, how we met. I don't know how well you remember this, but we were at Fort Detrick yeah. and um <laughs> I was, we were in the barracks and um, I was in my room and I come outside and I saw you sliding papers under the door and I couldn't, I always was trying to figure out who keeps sliding all these papers under my door. And uh, <laughs> when I saw you, I was like, man, you don't want to keep sliding these papers under my door. And you were like, yeah, that's me. That's me. I was like, all right, you know, so, but it was like, ever since then, it was like, ever since then we started doing the boss, you know, the better opportunity of single soldiers, you know, hanging out, shining boots, watching Martin, you know, yeah. um, that was that was great, man, because, you know, you wouldn't have caught me shining boots <laughs> outside right. of that because I would have rather have had the, the patent leather boots, you know, than, you know, shine them. So that's, you know, that's that's kind of how we met, man. I don't know how much of that you actually remember. Yeah, not not exactly. But I, I know it was a genuine connection, man. And, and you know, it, it shows by us being able to communicate today, um, even though we hadn't seen each other in a little while to be able to pick up the phone and always talk for, you know, advice or whatever it is. Um, you've always been there for me. I appreciate that. So 
um, from the beginning. I do remember those barracks in, in Fort Detrick. Um, and, and, you know, us kind of staying in the old barracks where everybody else moved to the new barracks. Right. And we kind of <laughs> own the place. <laughs> hey, man, that's likewise, man. We we definitely talked, man, about, you know, I was thinking about this before we started this. And I was like, man, it's been, it's literally been almost 20 years. It's like, it's almost like we grew up together almost. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's that's been, true. It's been a long time, man. So, um, you know, so uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, you know, where you grew up. Um, and how you, how you ended up joining the army. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I, um, I was, my dad was in the air force, so I was born in, in Dover air force base in Dover, Delaware. Um, but, but grew up, I claimed Louisiana, man. I started second grade in uh, Slidell, Louisiana, which mm. is just north of New Orleans. Um, so I, I grew up from second grade there, went to college there, well, high school, college there, um, at the university of, it's, it's Louisiana Lafayette now, raging Cajuns, but it was Southwestern Louisiana at the time. I hate to date myself, but, um, I went to college, man, and I I, uh, I was a student athletic trainer. I traveled with the football team and um, with the tennis team. And then, um, you know, once uh, it came time for me to graduate, it was like, hey, what do you want to do next? Um, I knew I had some uh, some ha- college experience, I guess, but, um, you know, uh, wasn't really ready for what was next and knew I had the student loan thing that was going to hit me on the forehead. And uh, um, went and talked to a recruiter. And, you know, there there was. The Army said they'll pay my student loans over a three-year period. And that kind of gave me my next step right there to help me get out of, to get some kind of stability financially at least. So um, that's that's kind of the initial reason why I joined. Um, I mean, and, and then, you know, 20 years later, you know, I'm still 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 serving. So, right. Um, but that's the beginning. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, wow, man, that's that's. That's pretty good. Um, but when you went to college, though, I think didn't you show me like a didn't you show me like a, a championship ring that you won with the tennis team or something like that? Oh yeah. So one of the perks of being a trainer. So uh, <laughs> I don't want to sit here and act like I'm uh, Raphael on the doll or anybody I like that. I don't that. know, man. Just... We went out there on that tennis court, man. I, you lit me up out there. <laughs> I was just the guy to tape the ankles, right? So I taped the ankles and, and made sure they had water and all that stuff. But, okay. Uh, was one of the perks, man, of being a trainer or equipment manager or or whatever, is that um, you're part of that team, and, and uh, you know every 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 person has a part um, to make it work. So they won the, they won the Sun Belt Conference championship that year, and sure enough, McMullen got a championship ring. So, man, you sound like LeBron over there. Look out! Look out! <laughs> <laughs> Trying hey, so to shock and top myself to the Lakers. Was okay. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Wait. So, what's what's your job right now? What do you, what do you currently do in the military? Um, yeah. So right now, I'm a, a healthcare human resources officer. Um, for those that are in the military, or been in the military, it's like your S one. But um, uh, I, I'm I'm just arriving to to Fort Sam Houston in a, in a new job, man. So I'm still kind of learning it. I'm the chief of operations and plans in the uh, in the G one section, which you know deals with a, a, a wide range of things with um, you know. MTOR assigned personnel or just everything personnel, pretty much right. military personnel, though not civilian personnel stuff. So, um, still trying to get my feet on my on the ground here. I'm just coming out of a, a, a brigade combat. I'm on a brigade unit uh, as a brigade S1, where I had you know a lot of soldiers. Now I got a complete civilian staff, so adjusting to mm. that as well. Wow. Um, yeah. But it's good so far. So good, man. Uh, great team, uh, great people, um, and looking forward to this this, this new challenge. Wow. Yes. It's definitely a a transition when you go from being around 
most of the military to being around um, the civilians. So you kind of you you alluded to how you transitioned. Um, but another transition that I want to talk about is when you and I first met, we were both enlisted soldiers and uh, you went on to um, become an officer. Um, can you talk a little bit about how how that happened? Like who inspired you to do that? And and um, what made you say, hey, you know what, I'm, I, I probably should go ahead and do this. Yeah. So honestly, Luke, man, um, it, it started probably in basic training. So I had a unique experience in basic training um, where one of my drill sergeants, I'm, you know, they, they don't talk to you initially, but about halfway through, they start talking to you. And um, I grew up with one of my drill sergeant's wives. Wow. Um, found that out through basic training. And um, then once he learned that I already had my degree, he said, hey, man, you should try to serve, you know, four years and then cross over. Um, and he, he kind of planted that seed in my head that, that kind of stuck with me. Um, and then um, my first duty assignment was at Fort Detroit, where we were at. Mm. I had great leadership, man. Um, you know, now Master Sergeant retired, uh, Michelle Robertson. Mm. She really took care of me and, and showed me what right looked like um, and supported me, right? So, you know, when I shared that shared that goal with her, she supported that and supported me through it. Um, but but the chips, the chips fell for me, to be honest with you, because uh, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but... Um, I was on assignment to Korea, and you're not supposed to put in a packet when you're on assignment to Korea. Mm. So I put, I, I still, still submitted a packet to OCS and, and got selected. Um, and and then even once I got selected, I found out that I was going to be a medical service corps officer, which mm. I was the only one of 110 people in my class that got that uh, that branch. So, um, you know, wow. the, the stars lined up for me. I'm truly blessed uh, to be in the situation, but. It started. It started at basic training, I think, man, where, with that drill sergeant uh, telling me that, um, and I appreciate that still to this day. Um, but that's kind of what started it, and and then things kind of started lining up for me. Um, and some days it's good, some days it's bad. <laughs> right. What? Uh, where did you go basic training? Was it? Uh, I forgot. Oh yeah, I did basic training at Fort Benning. Fort Benning. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. I, I did. I did think Fort Benning. But you know, the crazy thing about that story you just told, I had a drill sergeant. Story is a little different. Um, because it was him. I had a drill sergeant who said that um, that he uh, got injured, so he couldn't go to OCS. Oh, and wow. some years later, when I was out of the military, I ran into him, and he was actually a second lieutenant. And I was like, "Hey, man, you know, I was telling him all this stuff that I, that he told us in basic training." And he looked at me. He he stopped dead in his tracks after I told him this stuff. He was like, "Who in the world are you?" Of course, that wasn't his words. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and I was like, "No, man." I said, "It's nothing like that," you know, because of where we were working. You know, I can tell you offline. You know, where we were working, he was like, you know, he was looking at me like, "What you been doing?" And I said, "I said, no, man." I said, "You were my drill sergeant in basic training, and you were sharing some of this stuff." And he was like, "Oh, oh, oh, okay, okay." So we just after that point, you know, we never tried to stay in touch or anything like that. But I just thought it was a pretty cool story. But you also mentioned something that I thought was great, man, and I, that I want to highlight if I can is um, when we were at Fort Detrick, man, I think I think that place really spoiled me from a leadership perspective um, because we have some some in my opinion, we have some really good, good leaders. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned Master Sergeant uh, Robertson and, you know, I had, you know, Sergeant Owens. And, yeah. uh, you know, one of our good friends, Teddy Wade, you go look out what he accomplished in his, you know, in his career. Now, I think he's a first sergeant somewhere. Um, yeah. we, we had, we had some, we had some, uh, good leaders, man. And I, I think, 
I, it's, it's hard to replace that in any sector in life when you're in the military or even in the private sector, man. I've, I've, you know, now I'm, I'm back in, you know, doing more other type of work, but, um, you know, even in the private sector, man, without, without good leadership, man, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to function in an organization. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Um, and I, I, they don't make them like that anymore, man. I, yeah. You know, over the past 20 years, I've seen a lot of change in the military, um, and it's it's a lot different. Um, you know, those leaders, you know, the Michelle Robertsons, the, the Sergeant Owens, the, you know, Teddy Wade's, you know, it, it's tough now. Just from my last unit, my brigade commander did a, um, she did an LPD with all the current company commanders and then all the brigade staff um, and field grade officers and just asked, the question was, um, are you scared to lead? Mm. Right, and 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 I guess when you first hear that, you think, you know, I'm not going to answer that question. Yes, because I'm a leader. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm, a, I'm an officer or a senior non-commissioned officer in the United States Army. You know, why would I say, why would I say I'm scared to lead? But somebody raised their hand and said yes, mm. right? And one of the company, it was one of the company commanders. And it wasn't that the person was scared to lead and get out in front of soldiers and lead, but but just because um, you know they started talking about the fact that you know, you got to make sure your boots are tied right. Mm. You got to make sure that, you know, because, because you know, you could get a complaint. You can, you know, there can be an issue or, or whatever. It's just the challenges of leadership, not so much scared to lead, but just the, just the different challenges uh, involved with, um, you know, leadership today in the, in the army. Um, it's completely different, man, than, than whenever we were young whippersnappers <laughs> back in the early 2000s. <laughs> But, you know, I'm not even gonna go there, man. You know what I thought about when you said the early 2000s was um, was your boy uh, Juvenile. You know, he had that song going back to the nine nine of the 2000s. <laughs> yeah, man, because they was uh, not to get too far off track, man. wasn't he? wasn't weren't they from? Uh, aren't they from Louisiana as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, juvenile, the boys, all of them. Right. Okay. I thought so. I thought so. Um. So one other thing that I wanted to kind of point out, going back to the Fort Detrick thing, you can, you actually, so when you were enlisted, though, you actually had a pretty cool job, I thought, um, where you, yeah. you were, uh, at the time, I guess they call them 68 kilos now, you were a 91 kilo? Yeah, 91 Back then, lab the tech? Yep, yep. Um, can yeah, you, I, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, you go ahead, Luke. Okay, can you, can you talk a little bit about what they did, because, as much as you can, because I know that, you know, a lot of a lot of people. You know, we we I wasn't able to see everything, but we were able to kind of listen to some of the briefings about, uh, you know, what you guys were doing, and uh, you know, especially now with this pandemic going on. You know, are you you know are you you know would you be able to say uh, give a little detail about what it was that um, some of the lab techs did, and you know, I know there was a different series like Ninety One Sierras. They you know they did something completely different. You know, but uh, can you yeah. can you give a little brief uh, background information about uh, what what that career field pretty much um, did? Yeah, the um, you know the lab techs in general, man. I think uh, my wife will appreciate this. She's currently a lab tech. They're like the unsung heroes of the hospital. Mm. Um, you know, obviously didn't work at a hospital at Fort Detrick. Worked at um, at Usamer, um, where they had different sections. You know, um, bacteriology, virology. Uh, you know, different things like that. So um, I worked in the virology division um, and, you know, did various different, you know, a lot of different things that went on there. Some some things I know and some things I don't know. Mm. But, um, 
you know, it was, you know, a, a group of scientists in there in each section that that was their focus. They were, they were doctors, they were scientists that um, wanted to find cures. Yeah. You know, they wanted to, uh, wanted to find cures to different diseases. Right. I, I can remember um, not personally working with like Ebola and things like that. Mm-hmm. So when it just came out a couple of years back, you know, it had been, you know, they were working on that in Yosemite or working on working toward to try to find a vaccine for that. Uh, you know, back in 2001, two, whenever we were at Fort Detrick. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's some smart people um, that are in that installation, and, um, you know, at, at USAMRIT, but specifically the lab techs, um, like I said, they're the unsung heroes, man. Today, um, right now in these hospitals, um, you know, they do the testing, mm-hmm. right? You hear about the doctors and nurses who are doing amazing things, who are doing amazing things, uh, you know, but the tests go to the lab. And those right. guys, those guys are the ones that are doing the testing, um, and, and you know, providing that information to the providers, to the doctors, to the nurses, to the PAs, uh, to all those guys to, uh, to 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 treat um, and be able to take care of the patients better. So, um, accurate and timely reporting is is key to them, um, and just um, cleanliness. Uh, Yolanda always gets on me about, uh, you know, um, she can't understand how. You know, something as simple as washing hands is is, is new to people, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Wait a minute, wait! You know, I've been doing this my entire life. That's right. that's like lab one hundred and one. You know, so I mean, you know, that's really a broad, a broad stroke, man. They do some they do some amazing things, just like all the other uh, healthcare workers, man. Oh um, yeah, oh but, yeah. But um, you know, the lab guys will never get their shine. They're normally in the basement of the hospital, uh, conducting the tests. So right, uh, it's and... an opportunity to, to to highlight them. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, man, that's, they, they do, they, they do great work. And, um, just for people listening, uh, uh, you gave the acronym USAM and it stands for the, um, United States Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Disease. Um, so it's a pretty intense, pretty intense place. Yeah. A lot of smart people. When I worked there, I mean, I, I just did the visual information stuff, took photos of, of ceremonies and such, but I got a chance to meet a lot of good people. One thing I want to circle back on Lee is, use a uh, term uh, when uh, you were talking to your senior leadership, uh, LPD. Can you, can you uh, break down what the acronym is? Oh, sorry about the acronym. No, that's all right. Part of yeah, so uh, just a leader professional development. Okay. So you have, you know, the OPDs, the Office of Professional Development, but now, you know, uh, at least my previous commanders have done LPDs, leader, pro- leader professional development. So they combine, the, you know, the senior NCOs and the officers just to kind of talk through because there's different perspectives from everybody. Um and, and I'm glad they did that because it's yeah. important to, to get those perspectives. Um, so, uh, but on, on a wide range of subjects we've had, just like I mentioned earlier, we've had one where, you know, it's that, are, you know, are you, are you afraid to lead? Mm. Um, or, or just based around leadership. Um, so far since I've been here, they've, they've done, they've done several. They do one every two weeks wow. uh, where the, the Surgeon General of the Army finds a, or, or finds a leader within the Army. The last week, last week was one with the, the Vice Chief of Staff of the Army. Did a 30-minute session for anybody who jumped on to um, Microsoft Teams. Obviously, you wow. got to do that. You, you get an invite, um, and, and you, you log in and listen, and, and they just kind of give their perspective on where they're coming from and kind of not what they see, but just, you know, how they lead. Mm. Um, so it's good to hear from uh, just different perspectives, but, yeah, lead to professional development. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome, man. So... So now with the interview, I want to um, I want to kind of transition to something else that took place in your career. I think this happened right after 
right after you um, got commissioned is when you when you went to Iraq. And I remember this so vividly because it really it really did a number on me mentally because I'm not sure I don't need, I'm not sure if we even talked about this before, but it did a number on me because our kids, you know, Lee and Jeremiah are the same were the same age or are the same yeah. age. And um, they're only about a month apart. And it really did a number on me, man, because when you when you left, I think those first I think the first four years with the kids, you were gone like twice. And that really did a number on me because, for one, I felt bad. I was like, man, you know, just 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 really concerned, you know, because I always always saw myself. And I'm like, man, I, I just really. You know, if if they ever call on me to go, you know, I just want to make sure I come home to my son. And now, <laughs> you know, I talk to you about it all the time. You know, he's he's 13. And now looking back at it, it's like it's even it's almost even more pressing now than it was then, because, you know, I see his his attitude sometimes. You know, I see sometimes he kicking up in school or something. And I'm like, man, you know, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, I couldn't imagine being here and. And that that was not, you know, that was not me saying, man, I can't imagine, you know, what Lee is doing. It was more of me saying, like, wow, man, that 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 takes a lot of courage to to be able to step in and 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 chase after your goals like that, because, you know, so it was it was real personal to me because I was I was concerned, like legitimately concerned, like, man, Lord, just, you know, just just take care of him, his family, you know, Um so I kind of want to I want to kind of transition into that, man. So I know you had two deployments um, yeah. to Iraq. And uh, I just want to ask you, you know, what 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 are some valuable lessons that you that you gathered um, from those deployments? And also, at some point, I would like to get into talking about the type, uh, the job that you had as much as you can. Uh, I know there was a job you were you were doing something with the casualties. Um, cause I, I, I think people don't really ever get a picture of, of that. So as much as you can bear and stomach and share, um, if you don't mind sharing some of that about your experience as well. Yeah, no. Um, so just like you mentioned, man, I, I, I had two deployments and we were both, you're right at, at the pretty similar places in our lives. Right. Um, as far as, you know, uh, being married and, and brand new babies, um, you know, I remember we, st- we got a picture of Jeremiah and Lee when they were. Oh yeah, the beach. You know, yeah. I don't even know if they had their first haircut yet. Oh you know? yeah, so, yeah. Um, but no, my first deployment, man, um, uh, was you know a fourteen month deployment, and um, both of my deployments were to Iraq, and I was with the same unit, in First Brigade, eighty um, second. So the first time, though, it was um, I was a you know a medical uh, brigade medical planner, and so I kind of didn't know what to expect, right? So because it was it was my first time and. I have this, uh, I was telling Yolanda last night, I have this thing that's, it's a blessing and a curse where I can be, I can be somewhere and not think about the next place. So um, it helped me, to be honest with you. So I could be deployed and, and not focus on home. Right. But part of that was because, I, you know, I, I had full tr- trust and faith in my wife and I knew that she was taking care, uh, taking care of things at home. So right. that ease... Um, that eased my mind anyway. So that, that helped a lot, you know, and even though I was away, I knew that she, she had it. Um, so I got to give her, um, you know, credit for that. Um, right. because, uh, she allowed to, my mind to stay where it needed to be or wherever it was, maybe not where it needed to be, but wherever it was. 
Um, but my first deployment, man, I was a medical planner. Um, and I, I didn't, I, I saw a lot, but um, stuff that made you sympathetic or empathetic to, to people, right? Because um, medical is a way to get your, to put your imprint on a place, right? You could, if, if you go in with medical care, provide medical care to somebody, then that's a way of showing I'm, I'm not here to, I'm not here for combat. I'm here to, to help you. Um, so, so that's a way in to, to talk to people. Um, and just seeing the condition of people um, and the, you know, the privilege that we have in the United States and right. that, um, that people don't, don't have or don't share or just don't have is, is, um, was huge. Um, wow. And um, yeah, man, just all kind of things that you wouldn't even think of, but, you know, people traveling miles just to, <laughs> to possibly see, a, you know, a, a United States doctor. Mm. Or, or mm. to be seen by one, you know, um, you know that was it, it was it was pretty. Uh, I don't know, you know, just made you think a lot, make you appreciate what you have. So I think that from my first deployment, I came back with a greater appreciation of, of you know, basic things, you know, just um, being able to be free, right? Being able to to do what I want, be electricity, right? So. Uh, just basic things that you don't think think of every day. You know, I, I came back, I think, you know, more uh, with more humility, um, more empathy, um, more sympathy, and um, you know, I, I think that's the biggest takeaway. Mm. Some great leaders over there as well, but that you know, looking at me personally, um, I, I think that was my biggest takeaway is that you come back, you know, with a greater appreciation for things. Um, and then my second deployment, um, I was a company commander. Um, that you know, that was a privilege in itself to be, to be able to be in charge of soldiers, man. And uh, I, I was in charge of a, a, a Charlie Med, a Charlie Medical Company, which mm-hmm. is so I had an aid station. Um, and you know, I mean, there was times that you know, I'm not a doctor <laughs> or a provider of any type, but there was times that I had my hands on a patient, mm. right? Because we were be, because of the amount of patients that came in, right? And not all American. Yeah. Right. Iraqis, you know, but um, but just, you know, seeing, you know, 18, 19 year old soldiers, you know, come together and work and, and uh, you know, be part of a team and and want to do what's right was was uh, was amazing. I think that, um, you know, that experience I'll never forget, man. My comp- most of my company command time I was deployed. Um, so I got to travel a little bit because my company was all over the place. Um, so in Ramadi and Al-Assad and uh, TQ is what they call it, Fallujah. Um, so I got to I got to move around a little bit just to, to see um, to see my soldiers and, and do things. But I mean, the one thing that kept me up at night thinking about that though was them just being on the roads because they would have medics on convoys and things like that. But um, just just knowing that you know I was responsible for them. Um, yeah. I don't want to transition to. Oh no, no, you. I do you're... want to share this one thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I think that the 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 most humbling part of company command to me was um, when I, I gave my first Article 15, and I only gave two. But the, the first time I gave an Article 15, you know, you realize the power that you have as a captain, right? Mm, and, yeah. you know, I was an old captain, man. I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I went to college first and then I, you know, then I, you know, did four years 
enlisted time, then I switched over. So I'm the old guy. Most captains are 23, 24 years old. They come right. out of college at 21, 22. Right. You know, three years later, they're a captain, and they're in charge of people's lives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the Army puts a lot of responsibility on people. So um, I can remember when I gave a uh, service a soldier uh, Article 15, um, and, you know, and I, I remember the look in her face because she had a family at home, right? Yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I, I had the ability to take money out of her pocket, out of her family's pocket, right? Mm. Um, and I didn't <laughs> because I thought about that, yeah. you know, but um, I just made sure that I told her, I said, listen, you know, I, I don't I don't hold a grudge. The, the mistake you made yesterday is not how I see you today and tomorrow. Mm. Um, so I just tried to uplift her, man, and, and uh, it turned out to be good. I think she's E7 right now. Wow. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but two different deployments. The first one, I learned humility, man, and I learned you know, uh, appreciation for the things that I have back at home that I've been blessed with yeah. um, back at home. And the second time, man, just um, you know, the responsibility that, that um, was given to me as a company commander, um, I appreciated it, and I, um, you know, I value that opportunity to lead soldiers, man, and, um, and, and try to do the best I can to take care of them because they were the ones taking care of me. Right. No, man, I, I think I think what you um, I think everything you said was was exactly um, what what I was looking for in that uh, one specific thing you talked about when you were working the, the, the uh, medical field office, the the casualties that came in and the people traveling all over the place to, you know, just to see an American doctor. And I, I think I get concerned in our country because people make certain jokes about certain people and they automatically assume, you know, this person looks like this, so they're a terrorist or this person does this or they're that, you know, not every person, (laughs) not every person in the Middle East is a terrorist. Um, Some of these people are just looking to have a good life like anybody else, you know, and I, and I hear people say sometimes, you know, uh, I hear a lot of these financial guys say, you know, they're like, you're, you know, even if you're the, I, I don't know exactly how they word it, but they're like, even if you're the least paid American, you're still richer than some people in some parts of the world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, I've never been to Iraq, but that was always something, you know, we've always done training. You know, you're always doing training no matter where you are. And being in public affairs when I was in the military, I always covered different types of, of training. And a lot of the training was dealing with this, but you also had that issue Um, you know, that, you know, sometimes there are people who aren't friendly, but you can't really differentiate between the two sometimes. Um, so that, you know, so that, that is a concern, but for the most part, most people really just, just really want to, um, you know, they really want to have their, um, you know, have their, have their, have their lives taken care of and, and live and live a good life. Um, you know, and then you talked about the compassionate, the compassionate part. I don't think people really understand when you're in the military and you have somebody sitting across from you. I had, I'll tell you a quick story too. I had a first sergeant one time and there was this, um, at this time I was, I was E6. I was charging um, the public affairs office, even though I wasn't a public affairs officer, they didn't have one. So I, you know, had to take over the office and I was in charge of the special emphasis program. And, you know, I had a first sergeant. He was telling me, he was like, 
he was asking me stuff and I was like, that's, that's not how it happened first time. That's not how it happened. And he really wanted me to sign this paper saying that this is how it happened. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I was like, I can't, I can't do that to her, you know? Um, now granted, you know, there were some things that she did that, you know, um, that, you know, may not have been, you know, what the first arm wanted, but I, I said, no, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't put that person in that, in that situation. And it was a hard situation for me because now as just an E6, I'm sitting here talking to the first arm. The good news was, the good news was the first sergeant at least respected that I wasn't going to go that route. Um, and that again goes right back into that whole leadership thing. You know, he was an okay guy, but you know, he really wanted to, um, he really wanted to do something with this soldier and not, not, you know, do something like that, but like really punish the soldier. And I, it just, it just didn't, it just didn't feel right with me. Um, so to hear that story about the person that you had to give an article 15 to, um, that's, that's, that's tough because power, having power and it's, and it's very relevant today, um, not to get into anything political, but that's very relevant today. You know, we have to be, we have to be humble when we have power. Cause if you're not humble in your power, you'll, you'll use it and abuse it. Right. And, Absolutely. uh, so I really, I really appreciate that story because I think, I think it, it speaks a lot to that. So, um, so to kind of transition, um, you know, we talked about, um, the Iraq and, uh, you know, you told us about your, um, you know, the, the valuable things. Uh, so let's, let's talk about a little more about some of your other assignments. Now, I know you were in, uh, Hawaii not too long ago. Um, so let's, let's hear a little bit about, uh, some of your other assignments and, and which ones you enjoyed the most. Yeah, so I'm I'm um no man I, I I honestly each assignment you know gives us has its goods and its bads and um I, I think my wife would say Hawaii was her favorite assignment mm, okay. because it was Hawaii <laughs> um, and, and some people hate it man some people can't stand being you know in the middle of the ocean you know but right. um, uh, so I enjoyed it we enjoyed Hawaii but I also enjoyed Fort Bragg man um for different reasons but I enjoyed mm. Fort Bragg as well but. Uh, Hawaii specifically, man. My, you know, uh, I can remember when we left Hawaii to come back to the to the mainland. We went to South Carolina. Like we didn't own a pair of pants. Mm. Wow. So, I mean, we PCS back to to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, in September of fifteen, um, October fifteen, and um, you know, my my son didn't own pants. So, <laughs> so it was like, you know, when he started school, and you know, it's. I mean, it's not freezing cold in South Carolina, but it has it's, it has its cold days or you know, cool days. So, right. um, I mean, that's just one thing off the top of my head. But you know, just a beautiful climate there. Obviously, um, very nice people, very friendly people. Um, we found a good church home, mm. uh, which is great, you know, and we uh, feel like we grew spiritually there. Right. Um, so um, that that probably made it the. I guess the best or most fa the, uh, favorite assignment. Okay. Um, but we had good times in Germany before. Um, we didn't have kids then, so we were able yeah. to, you know, along the way to kind of do whatever we wanted to do. Um, Fort Bragg poses different different uh, things that are good. I, I like Fort Bragg because, you know, if you go to Fort Bragg, things are going to get done. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's that's just it is what it is. You, yep. know, the, you know, things are going to get done. So um, if you if you want to see the value of your work, that's a place to go. You won't work hard, and you won't you won't work long. But 
um, you're gonna you're gonna see the the fruits of your labor, I guess. Right. Um, South Carolina was great too, man. We were at Fort Jackson. Mm. Um, stability working in the hospital. Um, so was able to you know, Fort Jackson is right in Columbia, South Carolina, which is right. I think the capital of South Carolina. So we we were able to get out and and um, you know go to sporting events at the University of South Carolina right there. Mm. Uh, just you know, just good family time. Uh, good family uh, friendly units, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I mean, was in the 82nd, you know, Fort Bragg was filled units, right? So, right. you know, mostly, uh, you know, a lot of time at work, probably more time than I needed to be. Um, mm. But in Hawaii and in and Fort Jackson, it was, you know, uh, medical treatment facilities. So, so more structured uh, work hours, I would say. So you could plan things, you could plan your time with your family and do different things. So maybe that's probably. Probably why those assignments were better is because um, I got more time to spend with family. Uh, yeah, watch kids grow up a little bit. Yeah, man, I I hear you. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you just reminded me of something though. Do you remember? Uh, not to not to get too far off of this, but do you remember uh, when we when we went down to Myrtle Beach uh, when the boys <laughs> was little, and yeah, uh, it had to be like two or three o'clock in the morning, and I think I got up. <laughs> I think I got up and I came to knock on your door because, you know, my wife wasn't in the bed. I was like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> it was like two or three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, and I'm like, man, maybe Yolanda's back. Maybe Jennifer got lost or something, you know? So I was like, you know, knocking on the door all light. And I'm like, hey, where? I said, Yolanda, you know, where the women at? Where they at? You know, they out there frolicking somewhere at the stores and the malls or something. I'm, we up at three o'clock in the morning. Like, where they at? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Do you remember that story, man? I do. I do remember oh, that. Oh, man. That. Yeah. I was, I was so like, man, funny. what in the world were they doing? Like, yeah. Myrtle Beach was one of Yolanda's favorite places, man. And, and oh, yeah. We were in South Carolina and North Carolina. We would go there. And every time we go there, we would pass by that, that, that hotel that we stayed in, our little mini apartment or whatever it was that we stayed in. Right. Um, reminisce on that so yeah that was a good time yeah man that that was hilarious i i sometimes i laugh at that man because i'm like man what in the world is going on because you know now i think man that had to be so the the boys were what two three four somewhere around there i couldn't have been no older than five for sure yeah no definitely not yeah so that was at least like 10 years ago man so that's 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 pretty crazy that's pretty crazy um but you did speak on something else too you spoke on something else um you talked about when you were in Iraq, how, how, you know, you, you, um, you know, you always thought about what, what was going on with your soldiers when they had to go out. Um, and one of the, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, you know, almost every commander I've worked for, um, one of my favorite commanders that I worked for was, uh, General Honore. Um, a lot of people know him. I know you're familiar with him. Um, you know, he was, he was he was a guy that that like you talk about that you'll see somewhere at a Fort Bragg. You know he's gonna get work done, but he's gonna be he's gonna be hard, but he's gonna be fair. And um, yeah. you know you, I can always I can always appreciate that. So, but for yourself, what other types of things as a company commander um, kept you awake at night? Did you were you um, you know were you concerned that? you know, when you said you were concerned about the missions that the soldiers were doing, so were you concerned that something would happen or what, what type of thing, what were the type of things that, that kept you up at night? I guess more specifically, what, what were the items that kind of, yeah. kind of kept you up? Yeah, honestly, Luke, I think that was the biggest thing, man. Whenever mm. in Iraq, and even back home, man, jumping out of an airplane, hoping nobody got hurt. Um, 
But it, my focus was that, was just those soldiers. And you know what? I had an amazing first sergeant who, who probably shielded me from some things. Mm. Um, but I, I think that's, you know, the biggest thing that, that I thought about that could keep me up was that. Um, and just trying to do right by them. Yeah. So, um, you know, making sure that I could take care of them the best that I could. Like they were my own kids, man, seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, and not that they were, but it was just, you know, I, I had that, you know, like I said, when I gave that first Article 15, man, I realized the responsibility that I had. Mm. And I feel like I owed it to them to, to do my best for them. Yeah. So I was their commander, but I worked for them, man, and I wanted to make sure that they knew that, so that I would do anything that I could for them. So that they're the ones that kept me up at night if things were, if we were in a bad situation, you know, Iraq for, you know, nine of the seventeen months that I was in command, or back here, back when we were at Fort Bragg, no, no, not so much, because things kind of, you know, calmed down. People, you know, initially when everybody came back, just making sure they transitioned okay, um, and then whenever we jumped, just hoping that you know nobody got injured. Mm. Um, so I think that's, I mean, I don't, I don't have any specific situations, right. um, but I, you know, I, I, you know, I got, I got injured on a jump. <laughs> you know, I was going to bring, I was actually going to bring that up when you said that. <laughs> I was going to bring that up when you said that. Go ahead. But yeah, we, we jumped in uh, in Iraq, not jumped into Iraq. It's not right. a combat jump or anything like that, but we, we jumped in Iraq and I got hurt and uh, got medevaced and everything like that. And then, and and when I got back to my unit a couple of days later, um, because I hit my head pretty good, yeah. um, uh, just just the, the the climate was everybody was was laughing and joking, right? It was let me let me let me ease this trend. Let me ease. They wanted to ease me back into the seat. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, um, because I think the the culture that myself and the first one created was that was that you know what we're in charge, right? But we're all part of this team. Mm. Right, so you know, I, you know, laughing, joking, clown, all the time with them right. to to ease to ease the conversation. To you know, because there's other things you got to think about. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's more important things that you got to think about. Your work environment doesn't need to be stressful. Yep. You can make it if it. You know what I'm. You know what I'm saying. If it doesn't have to be, um, when there's other things out there to think about. So that when I came back, there were signs posted around saying, "Hey, your office is here." <laughs> here. Right, just things. But but I appreciated that. <laughs> I appreciated that because. You know, because I, I felt like we were rubbing off on them, right? And, right. and you know, they appre- I, I felt like I felt a valued member of the team because of the way they welcomed me back into the, into mm. the team. So, but yeah, that was an interesting time, man. Uh, <laughs> man, that's 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 awesome though, because you know what you said, you said, man, I, a lot of people just don't get this sometimes. You know, you said that, you know, you work for them. So many times, the bosses want to be like. You work for me. You do what I tell you to do, you know, and, you know, we're both, you know, have a spiritual background. You know, even in the Bible, Christ says, you know, I come to serve, not to be served, mm-hmm. you know, and you're talking about you're talking about the most high saying I come to serve, not to be served. Right. Mm-hmm. So for you to be able to put yourself in that position and say, hey, I'm a part of this team, you know, and of course, of course, you know, when, when you say stuff like that, you know, some people say, oh, no, you do what I tell you to do. It's not really so much about you doing what you tell me to do, doing what I tell you to do. You know, there is a place and a time for that, but right. it doesn't have to be every single day all the time, you know. So when you put yourself and, and, and you know, even going into, you know, Jesus washing feet, you know, humbling yourself as a servant. You know, when you serve people, they will serve you, you know, 
And I, I think that's great about your leadership, man, because I can tell you, I've, I've listened to a lot of leaders and talked to a lot of leaders and not all of them see it that way. Yeah. So I think that I think that's great, man, that you that you had that, um, you know, that mindset as a as a leader. No, I appreciate that, man. I, um, there's one thing I try to tell every every location that I go to. <laughs> I think I say the same thing where it's just like, you know what, I'm, I'm it, it hasn't failed me yet. So mm-hmm. I'll continue to do it. And I said it since I've been here um, is that I'm a uh, I'm a roundtable leader. Right. Yeah. I, I don't need to be at the head. I just need to be in the, at the table. Mm. Right? I, I realize that there's some people that are smarter than me. I realize that. And, and, and that's okay. I want you on my team. Yeah. Right. And I want to be part of your team. So if it takes, you know, if, if it's five of us and, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, five shovels that and the ditch need to be dug, guess what? I'm going to dig the ditch. Yeah. So um, I think that I, I've always, um, I've been blessed to have that, that, mm. you know, to, to be able to see, I think it, there's value in, in being enlisted and then crossing over. Yeah. Um, there's some struggle with it too, but there's some value in that, you know, you, you kind of appreciate and you, you show a little bit, of, you, you understand what an E4 is going through. Right. So, um, and then you understand, at least I understand or feel like I understand that as the leader, I'm going to get credit for what they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. So, so how, so why don't I just support them? Right. Right. Because, you know, these guys are doing the majority of the work. Why don't I support them? Why don't I make sure they have everything that they need to be successful? Why don't mm-hmm. I support them if they want to go to school, you know, and and, and, and flourish? Right. right? And, and go to, you know, and, and go to aerosol school or a military school or civilian school. Why don't I yeah. support that because of what they're doing for me? So I don't know. Um no, that's, 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 that's great stuff, man. Um, I can tell you not every, <laughs> and I'm sure you noticed, we've had this conversation before, um, you know, about certain leaders and why they act a certain way. And, you know, not, not everyone, not everyone sees leadership in that way. But I, I think it's, I think it's very, very important to be able to put yourself in their shoes and uh, kind of understand what they're going through. Because, you know, you got some leaders, man, they're like, if I can do it, you can do it. You know, but if you're not yeah. providing them in the right environment to do what they need to do and you think that you're never the problem, <laughs> then, you know, right. sometimes, you know, your, your soldiers can't your soldiers can't uh, they can't excel in that um, type of a, type of environment. So, man, I again and I want to tell the people that are listening, you know, I've seen you, you know, step in as a specialist doing stuff that I know you probably didn't have to do. Um, you know, I, so, you know, this stuff that you're saying right now, I know for sure that it's not just talk because I know, I know that's you. And even going back to the early in the interview, when we're talking about the boot shining stuff, man, I would have never shined any boots. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't go shine no boots, man. I walk around. I'm, I was that, I was that regulation brush dude, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, Hey, you're, you're just brush shine. I was like, Hey, look, I was that dude. You know, it's like as long as I'm doing my, you know, as long as my work is getting done, I ain't spending no time shining these boots, man. And, you know, when I got with you, you know, uh, you know, I would see you every weekend, man, you know. But, you know, it's it's, it's, it's so many lessons and I'm sure you've probably heard this and maybe even taught some of this. There's so many lessons about shining your boots, you know, just being disciplined and, you know, wanting to make sure you're concerned about your appearance and, you know, just making sure that 
you know, you take the time out for yourself to show your leaders that you care about how you present yourself to them, you know? So there's so much stuff in shining boots that, that people just don't get. And you can tell a lot about a soldier. And that's why, you know, a lot of soldiers, I don't, you know, now, of course, nobody's shining boots, um, at least not right. since I got out, you know, everybody's wearing the, the desert style. Um, but when, you know, when we were young in, you know, that was a thing, you know, you shining your boots and pressing your uniform. Um, yeah. so I, I, I just want to tell people, man, the stuff that you're talking about is not just you talking for, for radio talk. This is, I know for sure and seen firsthand that, that that's you, man. So I, I definitely, um, appreciate that and appreciate what you do. And there's one, one last thing I kind of wanted to get into. Um, you read, you inspired me, uh, to read, uh, Colin Powell's book i haven't had a chance to read it he actually came into town one day for the um speaker series that they have here i missed him um i did get to see kareem abdul jabbar so that was pretty cool but he was here um he was here to um do a um to do a uh, a speaker series and uh he was sold out and like i don't know how quick it was but he was sold out by the time i looked and realized um but i know he is somebody that I, i i believe has inspired you um so if 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 you're willing um originally i was going to ask the question on who inspired you um but if you're willing um you know could you share a few things um as we close out the interview about um about what inspired you with uh general powell and um in addition anything you know closing out the interview on what you would like to tell maybe some young men out there that or young women out there that that are considering making a military career and you know, they're, they're a little nervous. They're kind of stuck right now and they don't, they don't really know what they want to do in their life. Um, so if you can kind of talk about that leader and then kind of, uh, give, give some advice to some, some young people out there that, that may consider the military. Yeah, sure, man. I appreciate that. Um, with, uh, general Powell, man, you know, um, obviously never served with him or anything like that, but, um, just watching him, um, just watching him and seeing how he conducts himself, you know, on TV and and whenever if if somebody agrees with him or dis- disagrees with him, just just to be able to see that level of professionalism, um, and and just how he conducted himself and um, you know the humility that he served with. And I, I don't want to I don't want to act like I'm comparing myself to General Powell. Oh, I, I think you kind of you kind of uh, gear yourself toward people that you, you you're mannerisms are like, I think. Right. And like I said, not trying to say that I'm general, but <laughs> nowhere near that. Right? right. But what I mean is, is that just, he seems humble, right? He seems like a humble leader, um, you know, a, a servant leader, right. That, yeah. um, that I, and, and that's kind of how I like to, you know, frame myself. Right. I, I, I'll um, share one story about one other leader that I had. His name mm-hmm. is uh, Colonel Eric Edwards. Um, he was my, he was my uh, hospital commander at Fort Jackson when I was there. Um, and didn't come in doing anything drastic, man, but what he did was change the culture. Mm. And there were, you know, the civilians in that organization were so, were crying when he left. He was mm. like, man, he's the greatest person, you know, because, because you know what he did? Something simple was he just walked in and said hello, mm. right? He wasn't above reproach, right? He, he walked in and said hello and he shook hands and, you know, um, and, and he, and he listened. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I, I like to think that some things like that are, are, ways that I give myself is just try to affect the culture. Right? So um, when I looked at 
General Powell, I, I saw similar things, right? He, he just he co- conducted himself with a level of professionalism that, um, you know, he, he wasn't loud and boisterous. He, he just, but but he was um, just professional. Um, so I think that's that's what drew me to him, um, and drew me to his to his book um, and some of his leadership philosophies. Mm. Um, jumping into your second question, though, just to speak to anybody that's considering joining the military or or not, right? To be honest with you, it's not for everybody, um, but but it's an opportunity, um, and and there's opportunities. There's there's so many opportunities in the military, um, you know, to 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 not take advantage of them, you know, or well, you know, there's plenty of opportunities to take advantage of. And I think that there's an opportunity for everyone. Maybe the military is not for everyone as mm. a career. Right. Um, but as a job, it, it very well could be. Um, I think if you look at it like that, I think most people probably look at, look at it like that. Um, just like I mentioned earlier, I came in the military to pay off my student loans. Right. It was a job for me. Yeah. Um, 20 years later, it, 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 it turned into a career for me. Mm. So, um, but what it did, what it did, and what I believe it, it's beneficial is that it allows you to um, understand that you can be independent. Yeah. Right. Some people never leave their their own home, their own community. Some people never leave their own city or state. Um, but but by taking that leap, um, I, I feel like you can, um, you know, you, you get to a basic training and you see people from that have taken that leap as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You get to basic training, and everybody's in the same situation. Nobody yeah. knows what's going on, and everybody's from everywhere. Um, and you and you bond, and you, you form friendships and lasting relationships. Um, and, and then, you know, whether you stay in four years or 40 years, mm. you know, that's, a, that's the choices that you could make. But, but if it's not for you, you gain some, I, I guarantee if you did three years and left and went home, you know that you could do it, right? Because you left and you did it for three years. Mm. You lived on your own, and you, you know, so I think it's important in that fact. Um, but again, it's not for everybody. It's not a, it's not a career for everybody. Um, it's not a job for everybody, but I think what helped me was initially I looked at it as that. I looked at it as a job. Mm-hmm. It was going to help me pay off my student loans. Um, and then it, and then it, you know, it became fun and it became interesting. So I stayed, um, and it, and it turned into a career for me. So, um, I wouldn't, if somebody's considering joining the military, I wouldn't look at it. Um, initially as a career. I would look at it as a job. Mm. A job, maybe that's away from home, yeah. and I'm going to try it. You know, I'm going to go do four years or whatever it is, and if I don't like it, I'll walk away. Mm. If I like it, then I'll stay. Um, but I think it's just that initial leap, that initial step that okay. we take, and, and that's where, uh, you know, that's kind of what hangs hangs people up. Right. Now, um, uh, it's the best thing going, but it is a, it's a good thing going. Right now, is the uh, does the army still do? I know at one point for a long time they were doing those two year enlistments. Are they still doing that? No, I'm I'm not sure if they do two years or not. To be honest with you, Luke. Um, okay. Yeah, a lot of things have changed, man. Yeah. Um, and I'm just not I'm not super smart on on what's current as far as enlistments. Um, I know they they have changed the uh, the uh, their savings plan where they where it's like mandatory for you to invest. Okay. Um, yeah, like one percent or something like that. Right. Yeah. Because what they saw was people that didn't stay in 20 years, you know, would stay in for five years and then leave with nothing. Yeah. So now they make you invest yeah. so that at least, you, you know, if you get out in four years, you you know, you built a little stash uh, of something. Right. So. Yeah, I think I think that's a, um, I think that's a great idea, because like you said, when I came in the military, it was like 
um, you know, I, I was just going in to kind of get away from where I was, you know, yeah. um, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of, didn't have a lot of options on where I was. And, you know, I, I actually started going to, um, the local community college, but then I was like, you know, this, I, I'm not making any money, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I was never that guy that wanted to, to, even if I could depend on, you know, my parents paying for everything. I, I never wanted to be that guy. I always wanted to be the guy doing my own thing and helping other people. I didn't want to be, you know, uh, staying with my parents, you know? So, um, so I appreciate that comment, man, because, you know, a lot of people paint the picture of military people. Like we all wake up one morning, you know, or since we were five years old, we say, I want to go serve my country. Now there are some people that are like that. Um, yeah. But it's but it's not everybody. And, and you know, to your point, I kind of want to also tack on to that and just tell people, hey, you know, if you're thinking about going into the military and you're just not sure, you know, that's 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 quite OK. I only know one person, one person that I know who told me um, that he always wanted to join the military. I only have one person that's told me that everybody else has had a different story. It's either about school or it's about something. But as you said, you grow into it. It's something that you kind of grow into. It's like, Hey, you know, I can, I can, I can do this because when I came to the military, I never thought that I would even come close to making a six. Part of that was because I didn't know if I even had the desire to make a six. And the other part of it was, um, the point system, my, for my job, the point systems were so high. I never thought I would get past E4, yeah. you know? Um, so I, I really appreciate you, you sharing that, man. So with that being said, man, um, I appreciate this interview. Uh, once we hop off here, man, we can have a little chat and, um, man, I just, I just really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, Lee, thank you, man. I really appreciate the opportunity, man. All right, Lee. Appreciate it. Stay on the line. And I'll, uh, I'll pick up. Oh yeah. Have a good one. All right. All right. All right, y'all. Interview is over. Just had an interview with my boy Major Lee McMullen. Uh, what a great interview. I uh, look forward to sharing it with you guys. Um, well, you'll be listening to it when I say this. It's pre recorded. <laughs> Alright, so listen. Uh, I really appreciate y'all listening in. Uh, next up, I don't know who we're going to do next, but we'll figure it out. Candidly speaking. <laughs>